Frank, it has already been over a week since we returned from the Dev Summit. Uh, and what'd you think? How'd it go? How was your trip to Houston, Texas? Oh, I'm so glad I went. Um, well, Houston, Texas is a very hot Texas, city of Texas. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, I'm more of a cold weather person. But aside from that, it was super awesome to see all our online friends, everyone who made it there, catch up with people, talk about open source projects, whine and complain about a few things, have a few too many drinks because none of us know when to stop talking at night. But <laughs> yeah, had a great time. And you were there. Did you have fun? I was there. Yeah. You know, so we obviously tried to talk about it last week, but you know, we recorded before the show, so we couldn't really talk about it. So now it's kind of like this retrospect of already being done for so long. But when I look back on it, now that we're kind of recording once it's all the dusted settled and everything like that. Uh, yeah, I had a great time. I mean, I overcommitted to way too much. Uh, things. Uh, yeah, you, you were always in the hallway. Someone was always talking to you. I felt a little bit bad, but it's a conference. We talk a lot. So, yep. Good job, though. You you kept your energy levels up. I only saw you disappear a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried to keep going. I had the keynote. I had a session. The live stream. Man, I'll tell you, doing live streaming for nine hours a day and working with captioning and doing everything. It was a lot of work, but totally worth it at the end of the day. And you're right. I mean, the most uh, fun part of it was not only being able to watch a lot of the sessions, but the interactions with everybody was really, really fun. It reminded me of when we went to Done at Fringe so long ago. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, these community events. And I think that's how I differentiate them. We talk about the Microsoft events that usually we both attend. But these are the smaller community events where you still have your corporate sponsors because these stupid things cost a lot of money. But otherwise, it's, um, I don't know, what, what other word is there than community? I don't want to keep reusing it. But yeah, these, it's all your online friends. That's what it is. The Twitter groups. It's a bunch of people from Twitter <laughs> showing up in a hotel. <laughs> it was fun this year because I've been live streaming for a lot longer now and there was a lot of people that would come up and they're like oh i'm so and so and and from from twitch and like their username and you know you don't know people's names unless they're actually there who they are it was so cool to meet so many people in real life uh that have been you know i've been interacting with for so long uh in general so it was super duper fun and there were a bunch of Merge Conflict listeners there. And I super appreciated everyone who came up to me and said hi. And we listened to the show. I kept trying to make the joke that James and I record this thing, but we're all just recording into kind of a big black box and then just hoping people listen. And we know some people listen because of the Twitter, but to actually have someone come up to you and say they listen, that was super awesome. And I also learned that I need to update my Twitter picture because everyone's like, you look nothing like your Twitter picture. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it is very, very true. In fact, I had to I was doing some slides and I was like, I'm just going to you know, grab some like people from Twitter. And it's easier to get the profile photos all from Twitter because they're all public domain and just sitting there. I was like, man, that mm -hmm. Frank photo. I don't know. <laughs> well, at least I don't know. I, I either got to put a bearded picture up there or cut my beard off. So one or the other is going to happen. I, I have a couple recent pictures taken of me that I don't hate. I was always afraid of um, 
I don't know. I don't know if you go on Twitter pleasurably anymore, James. You always talk about how you go on professionally. But when I'm scrolling through Twitter, I know people by their icon, by their Twitter picture. And so it's not so much like, is it an accurate representation of me? It's an icon. It represents me. It was me at one point. <laughs> I've, I guess I don't look like that anymore. But uh, I was always afraid of changing, you know, branding, I guess. But uh, who cares? Change it. They're already subscribed. They're stuck. Yeah, people know. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I definitely haven't changed mine in a while, but it's more. It's definitely newer. That's for sure. But I think a lot of your photos from your campaign it would be really, really good in general. Uh, yeah, so. that's what I was thinking. I just need one really nerdy where I got my thumbs up or something. Well, th- my favorite one is this on your Instagram, which is you zooming around on your one wheel with a bunch of trash picker uppers. That one's really good. Okay, that one I like too a lot. <laughs> I have a giant bag of trash picker uppers. Have you used a trash picker upper? It's such a stupid question to ask, but they're fun and they're effective, and I really enjoy picking up trash with them. Do any parole duty? <laughs> I did on a I did a uh, community cleanup event uh, in Seattle, and yeah, they just like you feel like just like you're in you know invincible with these things because they're so they're they're just like a little like as a kid you'd get those little like dinosaur things you know. Mm-hmm. But th- yeah, they're super duper effective. It's amazing. Yeah, I feel like I just want them in my normal life. I feel like they're just better hands than the hands we have. You don't have to bend over. You can do everything at a long distance. Yeah. Wow. Okay, sorry. Got us onto that topic somehow. Back to the Zemran Dev Summit. Um, I, I thought the talks were pretty good too. I was really interested in everyone who showed up. It was a good set of speakers this year. I was talking to someone afterwards and they're like, how do you pick which talks to go to? I'm like, well, I pick it by speaker, unfortunately. Uh, if I've seen them around on Twitter, I'm always excited to go to their talks. Yeah, it was it was super duper fun to watch all of them. And they were all recorded. So uh, they'll roll out on there at some time. So once they're out, I'm sure people can go and watch them all as well, which would be cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had a fun time. I hope that we, you know, that the team puts it on again next year. We'll definitely support them. I know a lot of people were asking, is it going to happen again? You know, this, we had tons of people watching online. I mean, it, it was a blast. I I had fun. And, you know, Houston, uh, you know, July, it's fine. You're in a conference center the entire time, but. Mm-hmm. We got a little tour of the town, but we never left the car because it was too hot outside to leave the car. That's true. That is true. Uh, all right. Well. Frank, enough Dev Summit. We have a topic this week because I was just doing a little live coding with my good friend, John Galloway. And we were messing around with some Razor HTML stuff and we'd be you know, moving stuff around, editing things, going back and forth. And all of a sudden something would go wrong. Like the IntelliSense would mess up or just like we got ourselves into a state where I'm like, just go back. Right. And like, just hold down control Z. And there was two things that happened. Either everything worked gracefully or B it did not work gracefully because John sometimes closes the file. So the IntelliSense refreshes <sighs> and then the back stack of your editing, you know, edit, undo, redo, go away. And I thought that was really Uh, interesting that in 2019, we're struggling with copy, paste, undo, redo. And in fact, Apple is trying to even solve this on the iPad with iPad OS and all the new crazy gestures. So I thought I talked to the master of edit, undo, copy, paste, delete, Mr. Frank (laughs) Krueger. Hi, James. 
Nice, nice to be on your show. Uh, <laughs> I've actually wanted to do this topic for a long time. There's a few things that I think way too much about, as in I'm never happy with my solutions, or I'm a worrier, or it was a problem I had when I first started out programming, and it feels to like just reoccur for the rest of my life, you know, mm-hmm. that one weak spot that just <laughs> no matter what you do, or maybe it's like my Moby Dick. Was that the name of the whale? Whatever. Is the name of the mm-hmm. whale in that book? <laughs> yep. Yeah, whatever. Yep. Yeah, it's that. So for me, that's um, these very basic operations that I think we all take for granted because um, our, we encounter them most in text editors and they work very well. Cut, copy, paste, delete, undo. These are your basic editing commands. But as mobile developers, I don't know about you, James, but the majority of my mobile apps don't do anything like that. They're not GUI apps in the traditional sense that you can select something and cut it and then paste it into another something. It's really just not how mobile apps work. And even in the beginning, there was no clipboard on iOS. So it's really not how mobile apps work. So I find it's uh, not only something I think a lot about, but it's something I don't practice a lot. And yet my apps need it. And so I'd love to talk to you about it. Let's talk about these basic ops. Yeah. And I never really thought too much about it when I was building apps because I'm not really building apps in which you are building components on top of each other, often the apps that I've built, the ability to undo is a natural UI experience. And what I mean by that is that when you take an action in the UI, the UI presents you with that visually, aka a toggle switch, a checkbox, uh, some visual indicator uh, in the UI. So for, for instance, when I was working on the media player or the media center app, the media center app, you could record a show. And how do you undo that? Well, you hit the don't record button, right? There's literally a record, <laughs> don't record button there. So the act of undoing is the same action of doing. And yeah. that isn't for all sorts of applications. The act of undoing when you type something, you type a bunch of code, isn't necessarily the same action. Or for instance, um, when I'm inside of GIMP, which is one of my favorite uh, free visual editors for uh, photography or just visual stuff, you may be, you may have copied something in, you might have modified it, you may have added an alpha filter, you may have done 5 billion things where the opposite, there's more than one opposite, right? Because if you do the opposite, then you want to go back the other way. So the 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 action here of having a proper copy, edit, undo, delete, is that there is more than just one thing that you can do, right? Uh, yeah. In general. Yeah, and so much so that you usually talk about it as the undo stack. And so every time you perform an operation, you can think about putting that operation on a stack, executing it. But then uh, if someone hits undo, you pop that operation off the stack, do the inverse of it, as you described, whatever you want to call it, the backwards version of it, I think of it as the inverse. Mm. And so for every operation in your app that you want to be undoable, you have to represent it, number one, as a function, and number two, a second function that can do the opposite of it. And you know, that sounds roughly kind of easy, until you actually start trying to implement this puppy, because the truth is we don't abstract actions like that very much. We create functions all over our code and we mutate state all over our code. And even though we might use the command 
um, uh, you know, I command and all that pattern. We don't write opposite command, you know, what is the inverse of that command? And we don't keep a log of which commands have executed, or most apps, I should say. And so you have that first step of, A, how do I represent the actions and their inverses? Then you have maintenance of that stack. And then you have to make sure that your UI updates when that stack changes. You have to make sure that you save things at the right time. So if you're using a database, things become complicated again because you can't just save the database away. You got to restore different points in it. And I think for all of those reasons are why mobile developers do not implement undo. <laughs> yeah, you almost, uh, you know, you only really have the built in whatever the editor or text entry control does. Uh, you're in control of that. You're often not the one writing your own entry box, for instance, that's provided by the UI. So you don't even think about it when you start to lay out it because so much is done for you by the OS. However, you're right. Uh, there are many times where you're building any apl application in which you have to worry about that, that stack. Uh, and I first, when I worked at Canon, right, I worked on a uh, Wizzy, WYSIWYG or WYSIWYP, actually, is what you see is what you print. So we worked on a uh, an application in which it was sort of similar to an Outlook where you, you know, for photographers that would do blueprint, blueprint printing and you could move around objects, you could do cutting, you could do um, cutouts, you could move items around, you could increase different sizes of it. And you had to have this crazy backstack of commands. Now, I was lucky enough that I came into the project where I didn't have to worry about it. It was already done and completed for me. Uh, I just added yeah. on to the stacks in which it which it already was. Uh, so so it was done for me. But I don't even know what, how you would start to to do this in modern yeah. times, I guess. Would you yeah. create the entire like action stack? Like there's every action is an enum and then you know, you have to replay or unplay, deplay, yeah. re-deplay. <laughs> Undo, redo. Let's keep, let's keep that terminology. Yeah. It's a little easier. <laughs> um, James, let's just say how many stars are in the sky? That's the number of architectures that I've written to solve the undo problem but at the same time uh, we're talking cut copy paste on delete because they're all kind of related because you're saving away some kind of state that you need to restore later something like that and so the way i usually tackle this problem is i don't want to write those reverse functions the inverse functions they're too hard um you know you write a function Let's not talk about a basic forms app. Let's talk about an app that does a lot of work. Let's talk about something like a 3D editor. Yeah. And let's say that there's an operation in that app that fundamentally distorts the geometry of the object. You know, maybe it makes it bigger, smaller, squishes it, something, you know, it does something very complicated. Well, now you got to write the inverse of that function. And that's hard. A lot of functions don't have inverses. And so the trick that most people take is that they save away some kind of light copy of the document and save that to the undo stack. Mm. And so you could imagine in a mobile app, maybe you represent everything with view models or, or your database is easily serializable. 
uh, then you could just keep copies of the document in a stack, you know, a literal, you know, system.collections.generic.stack and have a copy of everything. That's the architecture that iCircuit uses. Every time you do an operation in iCircuit, it serializes the whole document object, whatever that is, saves it to a little bit of text and puts it into a stack. How do you implement undo and redo? Serialize, deserialize, JSON, whatever you feel like using. And then you flush that into your app. And, uh, you know, uh, as long as you're using bindings and all that, your act reacts. Not so bad, huh? Yeah, I mean... I could imagine that that doesn't sound too bad. I have to imagine that there's several implications of size, speed, performance with it, but maybe we should take a quick break and thank our sponsor this week, our good friends at Telerik. Yes, you know and you love Telerik over at Progress. They've been working on all sorts of amazing things for any of your applications. And in fact, they probably have things that do edit, undo, copy, paste, delete, all the things because they are working on so many UI controls for your applications. Whether you're building Xamarin apps, web apps, or Blazor applications, they have a Telerik UI for you filled with tons of professional-looking modern components that you can drag and drop easily into your application. They just released a new PDF viewer control, new pop-up controls, and even a new doc layout manager control for your Xamarin applications. It's all optimized and fully compatible with Visual Studio 2019. Just head over to Telerik.com to learn more about all of the Telerik UI for any mobile application that you're building. Head to Telerik.com and tell them that James and Frank sent you. All right, Frank, what are the issues in this style? Because you're obviously, iCircuit is the most amazing application ever built, so it can't be any issues, right? It has to be perfect. <laughs> Zero issues, zero issues, James. Well, you know, there is a few small flaws with iCircuit, something like you can't put images in a circuit and a few other things. And maybe, just maybe, that's related to how quickly and efficiently I can serialize documents. So you're right, there is a fundamental flaw here in that this is definitely abusing memory. Mm. And this technique is only good if you can shove your entire um, data set into, you know, an immutable form, either serialized into a string or binary data or just immutable, whatever it takes. Yeah. In fact, that's kind of where um, the functional style helps a lot because you're already dealing with immutable objects. So you don't need to serialize them to store them in the stack because you can't, by definition, you can't modify them. So they are perfect copies. And that's actually more memory efficient. But we won't go into the functional world in this podcast. We'll keep it clean. <laughs> well, I could imagine that you were building continuous, your ID on the, on the iPad, that you had to have run into a different type of vision because that is an F-sharp application functional style to it. Did you have to manage it or was that sort of built into the editor controls on which you were using? Oh, uh, you're doing all of this manually. Yeah, there aren't too many UI frameworks that help you with cut, copy, paste, delete, undo. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in the day, um, MFC. Remember MFC for C++ programming on Windows? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, that actually had uh, these concepts baked into it, and they helped you architect your apps so that all of these things work correctly. And it was really cool, because if you just buy into their framework, you did get them for free. Oh. But in modern um, uh, UI frameworks, I should say, they don't force any architectures upon you. Uh, on 
iOS and UI kit, we do have a thing called, uh, well, UI document. Have you ever used that one? I've not used UI document. I know of a bit of the APIs, but I'm not super familiar using it at all. This is nice because this is trying to do what MFC did was help you architect apps. So this is architecture. This is not UI. So it's a little oddly named. It's the UI document, but not really anything to do with a UI. But the neat thing is it contains another object called an undo manager. And this is Apple's prescribed way to do undo in iOS. This is how they want you to implement your architecture. So this is definitely pushing down a way to write your apps upon you. Mm, Gotcha. Now, the thing is, James, I love Apple and I love their APIs. We, We all know that, right? I don't have to defend anything here. They are luxurious. Yes, I do like them very much. But I'm gonna say that UI document undo redo is the worst thing on the planet. (laughs) You don't want it. It is what they want you to do is, like I said before, like you said, is for every function, write an inverse for it. And the truth is, that's still very hard. So we have this world where Apple is saying, this is how you should write your undo redo. And then um, we have this other side saying, no way, that's way too hard. I'd rather just do this state saving. So what's left, James? What do we do? I don't know. I have to write it all yourself, I guess, and not (laughs) do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've tried a few architectures. Uh, The one that I have that I love the most is I did something a little crazy with I notify property changed. And uh, in an app that I have, I'm pretty proud of its undo architecture because as long as every object I create is I notify property changed, then I can do tricks about monitoring properties and remembering them and let's say storing them in a replay buffer and an undo buffer and things like that. And so I think that and I like this a lot because we, we all do I notify property change already to do bindings to our user interfaces. And so I thought, why not just extend that and use that capability to automatically manage undo state within my apps? Yeah. And now in that instance, I'm trying to remember back what we did at Canon. I, I'm not 100% sure, but in that instance where you're controlling the stack, would it be that truly maybe you have an entire list that you're building up. Okay. Now you want to be able to undo and redo, you know, and now once you make Mm -hmm. a change, you can't redo because there's nothing to redo. You can only undo, but it's almost like if I remember you sort of have an int pointer, which is pointing to somewhere in your array, you know, and you're, this is Mm -hmm. a current state. So what you do is when you undo, you're not actually popping anything off the stack. You're just moving your pointer in time to say, I am currently here until you make another change, which then pops the entire top off the the stack and then adds onto it again. Is that an accurate thing of what you'd be doing here with those property changes? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's almost two different topics. Everything that you described, you absolutely have to do for an undo buffer. That's how an undo buffer works. So I kept calling it a stack, but let's think of it as an array. And every time you take an operation, you add on to the end of that array. Every time you undo, like you said, you move that pointer backwards. So you're not always looking at the end of the array for what values things should be. You look a little bit back into history. So that buffer Mm. is history. 
that's a, that is fundamental to how the undo systems work. Now, of course, I mean, let's, let's say 99% of all apps, that's how the undo system works. There's always exceptions, right? Um, can you name, what is a very large piece of software out there that sometimes breaks rules, but other, none of the less is always used by everyone? Uh, word? I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. But I think Microsoft adheres to their own standards. Uh, Photoshop? Photoshop? Nailed it. On number two, you nailed okay. it. Good job. <laughs> now, um, Photoshop is uh, famous, notorious for having a much... They don't have normal undo. Technically, they do. But it's not what happens when you hit Control-Z. So mm. normal undo, like you said, it backs that pointer off. Instead, what they have is something more like Git. So instead of thinking of a straight line, start thinking about branches. So if I'm at the end of something, undo, 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 and now I take another action, on most apps, you would pop off all the unused part of the stack, and now that new action becomes you know, the current state. Instead, create a branch, James. Branch that puppy. Oh. So now and you can you have... Could- yeah. multiple branches off of any it's basically uh back to the future you could impact one branch in time and then branch and then go back and then go on to another branch yeah and it's it's really good for apps to add this kind of git model into it. and it doesn't have to be complicated you can visualize it with a tree or something like that but it allows people i don't know if you've done this but i do it all the time you undo 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 make an edit and then are frustrated because you realize you just blew away all those previous edits that you had before. And people mm-hmm. get whole clipboard apps and things like that to deal with this problem. So this is just a much safer way to present history to people. And in fact, uh, you can take this model in so many different directions. Photoshop, I think, even allows you to delete intermediate actions. So imagine keeping the end of the list and the beginning of the list, but deleting something in the middle. So you can say, oh, I turned that to blue, but I want to undo the blue, but keep everything else. Hit delete on that history item. Oh, wow. That's good, right? That is good. And I'm imagining what they have to do there is when you do something, they're probably, you know, undoing a bunch of things, then moving things back, right? Because everything is just an action that brings you to your current point in time. So when you think about it, if it's just a list of actions and you remove one and you have some sort of function that says, hey, at this point of time, I need to rebuild the stack, right? You can go back and then forward to delete a point in time in it. That's that's really interesting. Isn't it beautiful? This is how all apps should be architected, but instead we never do it because in the end, it's just undo. You know, that's the problem. We all think of it as just undo. Like, how hard is that to implement? But when you think about it, there's so many nice features that you could give apps with this kind of thing. So I like that branching. I like that deleting. Here's another fun one that iCircuit did because iCircuit used SQLite as its undo buffer. So I have a giant database. I can store an infinite number of revisions of the document in that database. Mm -hmm. So my undo worked whether you closed the file or not. You brought the file back up. I still had an infinite history of that file. So to get mm-hmm. back to your very beginning, this is within the capabilities of modern software. We know how to do it as long as you have architectures. But why not make undo work forever? I'm so frustrated by that paradigm that once you close a document, you lost your undo history. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine 
I could imagine. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could close the entire IDE technically in this <laughs> in this uh, form factor, right? Because you have a snapshot in time to where it's at, and that would be pretty nifty to be honest with you. That was one thing that sort of just it just bit us over and over again. I go, ah, oh, why? Why is this so? You know, and the funny part is that you have the history because there's some sort of diff of the file. So we know where it was and where it's at. We just don't know in between anymore. Yeah. And, you know, with a text editor, I think it's a pretty trivial problem to keep snapshots over history. Thank goodness most text editors, and it's even built into Mac OS itself, uh, keeps copies of files for you automatically. You don't have to program any of this and it restores it. But why not the 100% history of the file? Hard drives are free now. Text files are tiny, especially if you diff them. So it's just like, oh, come on, software, catch up. We should just have infinite undo on everything. But there are problems. You either have to, you know, like I said, you have to write your code as action-based, or you have to be able to serialize your data into a really small format, or you have to use immutable objects. Those are the three big ones. There must be some thing with this though, because I'm looking now, I was like, I was like, I'm going to Google this. Right. And I'm just kind of curious. And in VS code, one of the top issues on there with, you know, 50 hearts and pluses is feature <laughs> requests make possible to undo, redo changes in code after VS code has been restarted. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not, I, I can understand why they don't want to do it because theoretically you have to save an infinite history of a file that so this file can you become infinitely large this history but you know what people are really saying they're saying remember the last 500 versions yeah they don't need 10,000 versions ago so it's just you know oops i closed the file i want undo to work again it's okay if i don't have the 10,000th redo undo whatever you want to call it uh, so I'm totally on the side of memory is free these days, especially if you're talking about hard drive space and yeah. not real memory. It's just use a database. It's easy. Huh. Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued by the idea of putting this into more applications that you're building because you could be doing a whole bunch of different modifications to documents. And even so, like, let's say you're filling out, um, let's say you're filling out a form. There's mm -hmm. no reason that you couldn't even undo that. What do you have to do today is you either you clear all and you clear stuff, or what do you have to do is you have to go in, select something, hit undo, right? It's not just filling it out. You, you might be down the form. You're like, oh, I just want to undo the last five or something went wrong, you know? Uh, and then that sort of is a gotcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think view models in particular serialize very well. Because they're usually very simple data, just, you know, simple collections of simple data, that kind of stuff. And so you could take your view model, serialize it to JSON, and just keep a stack of those things. And all of a sudden you have an undo buffer. This actually came up at the Xamarin Dev Summit. Someone was asking the question, can you override the back button on Android? Hmm. So just for fun, James, can you? I don't even know. I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, yeah, you can. So there's an event, uh, there's an override that you can do, which allows you to intercept the back button and do whatever you want. And you can say okay. if you handled Prevent it or it. not. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I didn't know that. So I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't do that. But why don't, what's, what's the real problem here? Like, <laughs> what issue are you really running into that you want to disable this back button? Yeah. Give me, give me the core problem here. He said, what would happen is 
people would be filling out this pretty long form. Unfortunately, there's just a lot of fields to fill out on this one page. Accidentally hit the back button. And then, ugh, yeah, bad stuff, right? So I guess, yeah, your your answer is best. <laughs> do that override, do something else. But what I told them was, hey, until someone's bothered to hit the submit button, why don't you just keep a, a serialized copy of the view model around? Or even just the view model itself, who, you know, who cares? It's probably not that much memory. Keep that around. And then if they ever go to that form, just pre-fill out the form with the last view model, you know, simply serialize it, store it away. It's probably better for the UI in the first place, because I imagine if it's a long form, people duplicate the fields anyway. So that was my solution to the problem was take your view model and serialize it. And then once you have that, you're just one step away from having an undo architecture. Yeah, you know, I was sitting in Shane Nouvelle's Xamarin form shell presentation and he was going really heavy on the navigation and he um, showed off a custom navigation which kept an entire history of the back stack of the navigation maybe a little bit tricky you know as you're navigating through but you could loop into all those events so like some really really good apps like that I've used they don't always do it but sometimes I'll reopen Gmail and it's like takes me exactly to where I was yeah even after I force closed it, it's like I open it and it's like, oh, you were on this email last time. You probably want to be on that email again. But most apps, they just, you know, relaunch to the home screen where is that the correct thing to do? Maybe you could, you know, rehydrate your entire application and tombstone it fully. Tombstoning is kind of what it's called as a, as a, a very Windows term from Windows phone days. But <laughs> yeah, it's hydration, dehydration on Mac usually, but or honestly, just call it serialization, deserialize. That's all we're talking about. But in this case, it's your UI, <laughs> not data. It's important. I mean, we've talked about iPad OS coming out where we need to be able to restore scenes very easily based on, um, geez, I already forgot it, UI user activity, UI activity, whatever, the activity thing. <laughs> NS, uh, NS so user activity. NS user activity. Thank you, James. Just, thank yeah. you. Helping me remember my favorite OS. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that requires serializing data again. So we're we're always back to that serializing, deserializing. So so many tricks you can do. Make sure your data works with JSON.net. In other words, <laughs> PSA: everything should be serializable. That's why I, I'm so sad that they removed serialization from um, originally, you know, <laughs> Silverlight and then .NET Core, and just no one cares about built-in serialization. But these days, we use JSON for everything. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, but well, you so, know they're bringing they're bringing a, a new JSON serializer to the system. Right? JSON. That's right. Now, does it do all the um, object modeling though? Because a lot of JSON.NET's power comes from your ability to override the serializers. Like JSON.NET gets you eighty percent there, but there's always a few objects that you need to kind of override and play oh. games with. I think it does. I'm looking at it. There's you. Yeah, you can do a JSON serializer. Like there's a serialized method. I think. Yeah, you can do options. It's very similar to JSON. Now you can say allow trailing commas, don't allow stuff. So a lot of those JSON ignores JSON properties, things like that. I think that works. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I know that one was optimized for speed. So if you do it the way I do iCircuit, where I'm literally just keeping serialized versions of the document around, yeah, you need speed. But um, in my case, I'm also just throwing those into a database. And so SQLite deals with all that garbage. I don't have to. That's what's so 
databases. They good still. Should still use them. <laughs> those databases, use those databases. And you can just timestamp them and then you have an infinite. You know exactly mm-hmm. when it was done. Mm-hmm. And branching and deletion. Don't forget all those features. So we just talked about undo forever. We didn't even get to cut, cut, copy, paste, delete, select all, the, all those other ones. But maybe we'll save those for another episode. I just yeah. enjoy talking undo. They are, they are part of it and they all sort of add on to it. And, you know, I think what needs to happen is a really good blog post on how to do this in your view models and keep your state, you know, through it and how you could have it auto rig, like you inherit from something and it just magically does it, right? That'd be a great library. That'd be a great little, little. I have it. It's, it's only like. 200 lines of code, a complete undo system. So long as your objects obey, I notify property change. I guess I should release it. It's very useful. It sounds useful, Frank. Re- see, release it to the wild. Do it. <laughs> Yay. Another op- OS library to support. <laughs> well, maybe we could put it into MVVM helpers. Oh, <gasps> that's smart. It would fit well in there. Mm-hmm. Good job, James. Way to PM. Good good PMing. <laughs> and yeah, we can make it so it doesn't like save to disk, you know what I mean? But you could make it oh, so no. it's just in memory and people can figure out how to override and do some things. I should but have yeah. been clear too. Uh, sorry, just real quick. Uh, this system, the I notify property change one, it's much lighter in memory terms because it's only saving the old value of the property and which object and which property name. You know, it's only three little bits of data. And so it's actually very memory efficient. It's nice. It would fit into my little observable object. It's so cute. Uh Look at it, just a little observable (laughs) object. And it already does everything. You call set property and it does eye quality compares value things. It's so easy to put in. So maybe next week we'll have an update for our lightning talks, which you should totally go to mergeconflict.fm and submit your lightning talk topics for us so we can pick it out. We try to cover six. Maybe we'll do it. We'll see if we get this puppy in and can release it to the wild. Truth be told, I'm pretty sure I just copied your observable object to start with because that's such boilerplate code i never want to write <laughs> it's true it's true yeah so yeah cool sounds good to me james more work for us to do yeah do i love it that's what this podcast does it gives us more and more work well uh yeah there we go all right not anything cool. else from you undo Frank? undo i think um like i said i really do think about this problem all the time so anytime you want to talk about undo again james i'm here and let's let's do uh, let's do cut and delete next time. They're harder <laughs> than they sound. <laughs> they do sound harder than they sound. So, all right, cool. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for everyone that has tuned in. It's all about those undos and redos. And if you have your own implementation, let us know how you're doing. It. Is yours way better than Frank? Probably. So let us mm-hmm. know. Go to mergeconflict.fm and let us know, or hit us up on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm. That's gonna do it for this week's Emerge Conflict. Thanks to Telerik for sponsoring this week's pod. So until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.